Welcome back to A Fresh Story, the podcast where we have conversations about brave decisions to start over again. I'm Olivia. And I'm Jenny. And we're so glad you're here today. Hello, 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 sister. Hello. How are you today? I'm okay. How are you? I'm hungry. And it doesn't help that I'm looking at... This Instagram from our last guest called No One Asked Eats, um, where he posts a lot of delicious looking barbecue. Mm. Um, and I really don't know what we're going to have to go scrounge for lunch because nothing know. is going to look nothing. Good. As Sinead O'Connor says, nothing, <laughs> nothing compares, compares to, you. to, yeah, exactly. <laughs> to barbecue meat. To barbecue. Um, but I do think if we ask nicely, Rob, or not that nicely, Rob will let us come up and he'll cook for us. Um, I, so our guest today was actually such a, funny thing that happened not really that funny I don't know Rob and I went to high school together our classes weren't that big I don't think we've ever had a conversation but he has had such an interesting life and I've been watching and mostly because his wife is gorgeous and fascinating and that hooked me in um and we talk about that on the podcast but a couple of months ago he posted like that he was around between jobs and did anybody want to sort of talk about what they were working on and I am just a weird person. So I said, sure, why not? Um, And we got on a Skype call or a Zoom call. I was in Scotland. He was in upstate New York. And we had the first conversation we'd ever had, even though we've known each other since we were 14. Like those connections. Yeah. And it was like, I'm so glad because he is such, he's a light. Like I know we call people lights a lot, but um, he's part, like, he's part of our world now. And he's just such a wonderful, happy, positive person with so many real, interesting, important um, findings of the world. He's yeah. had a very interesting life. He's, we talk a lot about the universality versus the specificness of people's lives and how we have so much we can connect over. And also the details are different. Um, and I just loved this conversation we hope to have him back really soon to talk about yeah. food. Um, or I was other really, um, I was really blown away with his perspective on race and mm-hmm. raising daughters mm-hmm. and growing up between two worlds. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and kind of like finding his way and getting, and also he's in marketing, which we, mm-hmm. uh, we love to talk about. Mm-hmm. So it was a beautiful, awesome, wonderful, vulnerable, funny yeah. conversation. We'll, we are definitely going to have him back on. Yeah. So please enjoy the episode with Rob and please remember to rate review and subscribe to a fresh story so that we can keep telling your fresh start stories. Rob is a marketing executive with over 15 years of experience helping small businesses, startups, and large household brands market their products and services to the masses. Most recently, as the head of marketing and partnerships for a tech startup called ShareShare, where he helped triple their active user as well as their annual revenue. In addition to navigating a successful marketing career, Rob has spent the same number of years building award-winning teams across a number of industries, from banking and financial services to franchise restaurants. Rob enjoys coaching talent and helping individuals develop goals to achieve their own personal successes in business and life, which we're all about here at Fresh Starts. So we're super excited to talk to you today, Rob. Likewise. Thanks for reading that. I feel so accomplished. (laughs) You are. Rob and I actually go way back. We went to high school together, which yeah. I've known him since I was 
14 years old, which is pretty crazy. It's been it's 21 crazy years. To think about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we are so excited to have you here today. Uh, Rob is one of my favorite people to watch on social media. He has an awesome um cooking Instagram called No One Asked Eats. And we love that. Um, Rob, would you take us back to the beginning of your fresh start story? My fresh start. I think it, you know what? And it's funny because you talk about friends. That was my first fresh start. Right. And that's a, if I can go back to my 14 year old self or 13 year old self, um, the idea of leaving for a few hours a day, but leaving everything you know yeah. and, and going yeah. into a, an entirely new um, and scary environment. Like it's one mm-hmm. thing to graduate or to to move on from sixth grade and go into seventh grade in the mm-hmm. middle school. It's a whole other thing to leave one side of Long Island and then go yeah. to the complete opposite side of Long Island that you've never been to before. Um, and and sorry, me, can you, so you left, you came into friends at, in seventh grade? I came in in eighth grade. Eighth grade. Yeah, I'm okay. a year younger than everyone. That's no one who, I was always a year younger than everyone. Oh, but you, you, I came in in ninth grade. So you seemed okay. established by the time I got there. Oh, oh that was all, that was all smoking mirrors. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so what no, was that I, like? I mean, what was that like? You grew, so where did you grow up as, you know, childhood? So yeah, I grew up in Hempstead, Hempstead, New York, um, uh, and born and raised there. My mom lives, still lives there. Um, and so for like, with exception to, I played sports, right? So I, mm-hmm. I was on traveling basketball teams and we would go to different States and, and different cities. Um, but the idea of leaving Hempstead and then going to Locust Valley, which yeah. like for anyone who doesn't know, it is literally <laughs> night and day. Yeah. Um, it's yes. a, it's a weird, it's a weird experience because you don't fully know what you're getting yourself into mm-hmm. um and then at that age right like you don't know anything so mm-hmm. um for me like I, I was coached on it because I, I the connection was my basketball coach had gotten other uh, folks mm-hmm. from our team into friends okay um, and and realistically um uh, like I had never seen, like I come from lower income, right? So I, I know what I know and that's it. Mm-hmm. Like you see things on television um, about how the other side lives and then to go to friends and see it in real time. Yeah. I think I had the year before I did a, uh, like a tour and I was there for three or four hours, but you still, you're only seeing school stuff and you're, yeah. you're engaging to a certain extent, but then to go and be there every day, um, for eight hours and then sports after and then yeah. go to my first sleepover and like my house is its size and then go to someone else's house that my house yeah. could fit into three times yeah. uh, I, that was my first eye-opening experience and then staying with it for five more years and just seeing and being immersed into different things now it's a double-edged sword I got a lot out of it even yeah. now as, as a 35 year old um <laughs> But it's so intimidating, right? At that age, especially when you're trying yeah. to figure out who you are and then being black and going to a mostly white school. And now I got to figure out where I fit in within myself and then within that community. Then I got to go back home and fit into that community. It was just, yeah. it's a lot. A lot yeah. of code switching, a lot of code switching. Oh, sure. I want to, I would love to hear what your perspective was like going there as a 
a black student from Hempstead, which Hempstead, I mean, and I was, when you're talking about going from Hempstead to Locust Valley, literally the road changes, right? You go from bumpy roads to slick, slick, yeah. you know, you cross the train tracks. Right, you know. <laughs> so, so what was that like? Like I have chills thinking about it for you. Like, what was that experience like? Yeah. As you a sixth what? grader, as a seventh grader too, or eighth grader, like you're well, so little. <laughs> yeah. I think up front, totally oblivious, right? Mm-hmm the because again you don't know what you don't know so mm-hmm. like you i i never had to experience judgment so i didn't even know what it was mm-hmm. or what it felt like right yeah um and then i think it clicked for me probably ninth or tenth grade probably mm-hmm. end of ninth early tenth grade and that's when i realized <clears throat> not just how different i was um but i i realized just like what i had gotten myself into because that's when um like the expenses start to come because now you're Mm -hmm. not just going to sleep over someone's house now you're going to dinners and lunches Mm -hmm. and things like that right and then we were sneaking out in like junior year and and going and going to lunch early right and so no idea that people were doing that oh yeah we were doing all all kinds of i was a nerd rob was cool like don't let him rob was very much he was so nice but he was definitely cool and i was like um a nerd and that well you know what realistically and i I wouldn't necessarily say that got me into marketing but that's when i realized that Mm. not necessarily that i was smarter than everyone that i knew how to um be a chameleon right so i wasn't necessarily like i could be an asshole right but i wasn't i wasn't one in Mm -hmm. in face value right i i could talk to everyone Mm -hmm. and i think like looking back on it it was a coping mechanism because i Mm -hmm. again i didn't know where i fit so i had to fit in everywhere Mm -hmm. um because when i went home i didn't fit in at all because my you talk about code switching my voice changed my mm-hmm. vernacular changed because I was somewhere else for nine hours a day. Yeah. Right. And so it was hard to switch back to a different vocal yeah. structure and all that. Um, wow. So I, I, I had to become someone who could talk to anyone. Right. And, yeah. and, and knew that I could move from any circle to another. And, and I don't know how I did it without that much judgment. Right. Because typically it's like, oh, he's trying to fit in there or he's trying to fit in there. I never had that that confrontation. I think um, you're just a very kind, nice, um, positive seeming person. I'm not going to say you're, you are positive. I'm not going to put that on you, but you're a positive seeming. <laughs> um, and that's how I remember you. Like we didn't have much contact in high school, but you were a person that like didn't intimidate me. You were just, yeah. you always seemed incredibly nice. And I think that that has a big part of it. Well, you know, when I was having this conversation with my wife about the intimidation, because I'm six four, right? I'm, I'm yeah, 200, he's, blah, and, blah, you, blah, and he's been right tall now. since like yeah, fourteen. So. so I don't now. I think about it a lot more um, mm-hmm. about where I stand con- compared to someone else and the effects me I may have on them. And I wrote about it a couple of years ago, um, and it was like during like the the George Floyd uh, uh, mm-hmm. movements mm-hmm. and stuff. But the idea of me walking with my two daughters and I skip a lot. We we sing, we dance, they whistle, yeah. right? And if you see me walking down the street by myself, it's one thing. If you see me with them, it's a completely yeah. different thing because yeah. I'm a completely different person. Yeah. If I'm by myself, like I'm in my own world, I'm probably talking to myself because that's what I do. 
but the to be with my my two daughters and skipping and singing yeah. right it's a, it's a it's a mind fuck right it's <laughs> interesting it's like that's a big dude having a good time um <laughs> it's a lot of the, good time happening on yeah, six for sure right but the the idea of of friends and i when i i think someone started like an instagram account yeah about their time yeah. being minority and friends yeah. and and reading it uh, like a couple of years ago as a 30 year old with kids that's when it clicked that like my time that I remember wasn't necessarily the time that I had. Yeah. Right? I was in my own world, mm-hmm. cre- like literally creating my own world so that I was mm-hmm. comfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you realize there, there were things that happened that totally went over my head um, that probably were a much bigger deal than, than, yeah. than I made them out to be. Yeah. Um, and that's when you, you, you have to wonder if, if I did myself a disservice or if I was really just so immersed in, in this fantastic fantasy world um, where, where I actually fit in. But realistically, I, I may not have, right? There was a lot of, of things that, ha- like, again, I was captain of sports for, two, for, for sophomore and, or no, junior and senior year for both football mm-hmm. and basketball. Like, I could do no wrong at that school, right? Um, and and I like Jen, you mean I did a lot of wrong stuff in that school. What did you do <laughs> wrong? It, it <laughs> like, right? We, we we were partying hard, right? Yeah, Especially, I heard rumors. Yeah, we we were partying very hard, and 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 like the the things that we were partying with, I couldn't afford, but somehow made it happen, right? Right. And so, um, <laughs> looking back on on that, and just how it changed my college years compared to like being yeah. the sports guy and then not playing sports at all, mm. being so immersed in my quote unquote extracurricular activities in college. Um, Where uh, did you go to college? I don't remember. I went to Seton Hall, but I graduated from Pace. I transferred okay. to Pace. Um, but the, the, it's, it's a weird thing. Again, you talk about the double-edged sword. I had internships. I got, I had great mm. mentors, right. Who, as you said, were either owning multi-billion dollar companies yeah. or high executives within them. Um, opened up a lot of doors for me but but the my my extracurricular activities were like just demolishing me right mm-hmm. um, and having kids kind of change that but it took a while into having kids to change that well you started young, like not young young but like you met your wife pretty early right yeah I met her 2008 I was a yeah junior wow. you're a kid yeah and yeah. Rob's wife I don't know if I've ever told you this I your wife, I think I may have reached out once and been like, she's the most beautiful woman. Like she is I mean... so, <laughs> I know you think that the the way Rob talks about his wife on social media is so sweet and real, but um, she's yeah. gorgeous. And I can understand why as like a junior in college, you'd be like, I'll follow you. Like that makes sense. <laughs> well, like, cause that's the thing, right? We, uh, my wife is older than me. And, right. and much more successful to me than me, mm-hmm. right? And and I'm not just saying that. And she, like, we get into these massive debates on success and what that actually means. But like when I met her, she was she had just moved from Canada and mm-hmm. had been in a business for a long time. She owned a restaurant. She did this. She was worked for the Clintons. She's like she's done everything, right? And then and people are like, oh, you worked at MTV. You're really cool. I'm like, yeah, but she's like she's, even cooler. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think like I was a kid when I met her and, and mm-hmm. doing kid stuff and she mm-hmm. was uh, much more established. And and, and that's a when you talk about restarts and me and her had this conversation like a decade later because I was everyone she introduced me to was like some big deal because she was just older. So she had a more established set of friends. Right. 
and and I would always say like I always felt so out of place because mm-hmm. like I was still in college and like we were talking to like the the billionaire who makes jewelry and I had mm-hmm. just graduated what do what am I offering to this yes. conversation yeah. right um and so like that that played a part in our relation in our up and down relationship early on but we weren't or at least I was not in a space to be able to say it out loud right mm-hmm. whether it's embarrassment or 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 just not wanting to deal with it. Um, and now as we're older and we and we talk a lot more and I'm, I'm much more open, um, it's an interesting dynamic to look back at that stuff and, and think about a fight we had. Um, and we were literally having two different fights because mm. I wasn't being honest about what we were actually fighting about, right? And so it's a, it's a weird, like relationships are weird, whether they're friendships or marriage yeah. or girlfriends. It's all a weird, a weird thing, especially <laughs> for me, because my parents, like, I don't remember a time when they were together. Mm-hmm. I was like five or six when my dad left. Right. And so right. I don't have a, a, my, my relationship with marriage is through other people. Right. right? And seeing how their parents are mm-hmm. and what they did. I didn't have that. Right. It was just my mom. Um, and, and I didn't, me and my dad didn't get on speaking terms until like when my kids were born, I think. So like you talk about a 20 year difference between that um I, i'm making it up as i go for for the most part i have a question that, that also seems incredibly therapized too like I, and you don't have to say if you've been in therapy or not but like it, i i think the thing about a long-term relationship like you and jennifer have been together what now it's like it'll be, be 15 years of knowing each other next month yeah that's married, a long married time for 12 yeah wow. yeah and and you have your kids are like your oldest son is like 11? <laughs> nine she's, and 10. Yeah, yeah nine 10. and 10. Wow. Yeah. So I, I mean, the ability, so many couples get to that 15 years and still can't look back because especially I think there's a lot of lack of introspection often coming from the male side, not to generalize, yeah. but no. you know, so, so to, to be able to be introspective in that way and be like, admit like, I wasn't, that wasn't the argument that I was having. That's a really beautiful thing to be able to bring to a relationship. Where did that come from? Is that just you guys having conversations over the years and you growing up together? No, we, it came, it's, it's only happened in the last few months, really. Mm-hmm. I realized that I suffered tremendously from panic attacks mm-hmm. and, and have never been able to figure out what it was. Um, I would just get angry right and and lash out and do random things and and it's only been recently that i discovered it and then i did do a, a few bouts of therapy and and, mm-hmm. and um had to drill down to that that it's me it's not actually everyone else as much as i wanted to be everyone else um <laughs> but it allows me to to have honest conversations with her now because i can actually have the honest conversation with myself yeah never could do that i had i had an excuse for it and that's like part of the 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 charisma and the and quote unquote manipulation is I have an ability to reason anything to mean what I want it to mean. Yeah. Um, now that's great in business. It's great in making deals. In personal life, it is really shitty, right? And you make yeah. other people feel shitty. Um, and and at thirty five, I'm finally realizing that and trying to fix it. Um, and I, I I admit it's a it's a long uh, it's a walk, not a run. Mm-hmm. But it's been we've been able to have more honest conversations um, where where we're realizing or I'm able to say instead of us fighting for three days and then just kind of making up, I'm able to say this one thing you said, I fixated on it and it triggered me 
and 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 she's able to say well i didn't even mean that like right. <laughs> that's not how i said it i meant a different word right and so and we're realizing that a lot of our our, our things and even my issues come from me just hearing what i wanted to hear as opposed to what was actually said and and fixating on it and even even after the apology comes and all those and the the work's being done to make it right i'm still like but you said that thing um and it hurt me to my core mm-hmm. and as opposed to before where i would just fight and go and go and not let yeah. go and push and throw knives and daggers until i made her feel how she made me feel when again she wasn't even trying to do that in the first place um so it's a it's definitely a learning experience i yeah. again i've i've been um like my mom worked all day every day right so i and my sister's all older than me by like a decade so i was always by myself i did whatever i wanted i was the the, the afterthought no as long as i didn't die no one cared right and so um i'm used to that doing what i want to do when i want to do it how i want to do it and then to live with someone else and then to have kids and build a life it's yeah. a it's a learning curve on how to interact with someone else yeah how, how to do things together as opposed to doing the way i want to and them fitting into that well i would imagine too rap like when you grow up like you said your father left you were kind of living between two worlds, right? It would probably be really hard to figure out who you are until you're 35, right? Like, because how could you be honest with yourself if you're not really sure who yourself is? Like you said, I I love that you said this, like your vernacular changed, like your, you know, everything changed and you almost couldn't go back home again, metaphorically speaking, at a very young age, right? So I would imagine like, of course, you're like on this journey and you're like, I am not really sure who the core of myself is. What do I believe? What are my values? And I found that having children really changes that. Right. So I would love your perspective. And I have boys and you have girls. So I would love your perspective on like, how did having children really help you figure out kind of who Rob was? You know, that's a great question that I don't know. We're going to discover this together right now because (laughs) the... For me, like, I still don't know how to interact with them. And so I have, like, my my oldest daughter is extremely creative, extremely sensitive, as as creatives typically are. Um, uh, kind of a, a spitting, well, looks like me, but spitting image of my wife. Mm. And imagine me and my wife having our tumultuous years, and then there being a little mini her that I don't even understand in the first place, right? And, yeah. and so couldn't in my mind couldn't really connect with her um and then i have my other who i think looks like my wife is dark like me but just like once should have been a boy right is just extremely girly in that Mm -hmm. like stalls and does like traditional women stuff right wants to cook and color and do things like that but then just rough like Mm -hmm. has an attitude like is knows what she wants isn't afraid of anything is okay being by herself and that's mm-hmm. just me right mm-hmm. um and so i connect with them differently yeah and i've been real been trying to be more aware of that um and not necessarily saying one's a favorite and one's not it's mm-hmm. just more of i'm able to sit with one for much longer than i can sit with the other right. um because i don't fully know how to and I and what I realized is that or not even realized my wife told me and then I realized is that my oldest was picking up on that and she realized that there was just something different and they had a conversation and she said daddy daddy's different with me mm-hmm. um and so she started to take on things that I like to try and connect 
And in my oblivion, I was just like, oh, no, I don't want to do that right now. <laughs> right. And so it's been hard as and ironically, as someone who's been surrounded by women his entire life. Mm -hmm. right like everywhere I've worked either I've reported to or women have reported to me mm -hmm. um I have sisters like all my friends I'm more friendly with women than guys you're raised by and a then, single mom right, right? yeah and then for right. some reason like when it comes to my own children it's very difficult for me to connect with a woman um but it's been it's been therapeutic to to figure out who I am and then be able to actually identify things with her that I can actually talk to her about um right. And even with the other one who who is literally me, like just extremely self-absorbed sometimes, can't understand why everyone else is upset, right? It's my world and everyone else is living in it. And so I totally get it. And I'm able to coach her on yeah. on how now, granted, it fails horribly because she's nine and she can't reason logically, right? <laughs> uh, but uh it's been it's been interesting as the the guy with three women in the house and and how I'm starting to or in I think I'm patting myself on the back, but I'm starting to actually get it and click and be able to have real and honest conversations with them. Like we were talking the other day about um, that protecting each other and, and they have to depend on each other and it's them mm -hmm. first and then everyone yeah. else. Um, and, and I never got that conversation, right? No one ever said, Hey, as your mom and dad, we are here for you. We will do, we will help, we will help hide the body and then you'll get in trouble. But we're, <laughs> we'll talk about but we're why you did that. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And we had that conversation the other day and, and I think it clicked now, granted, we're going to have to have it a few more times. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's it, like being a dad is scary. Like being a parent is scary. Being a parent is horrifying. And I think it's something that we don't talk about. And you said something that I wanted to, to you said a lot of things that I wanted to talk about. But we when our children look and remind us like our spouse, sometimes yeah. it's really triggering. You know, I think I would love to know, like how bringing daughters into this world. Right. Like and Jenny and I talk a lot about this of like our generation is parenting much differently yeah. than than we were parented right oh, and so sure. um what what's it like for you to like bring daughters into this this 2023 world right and um as a as a six four you know black father looking at this landscape ahead of us how like what are your thoughts on that and like raising these girls in this environment so it's interesting. So a couple of years ago, I had I, I wrote this thing. I write a lot. And so I wrote this thing about the different experiences my two daughters will have. Mm. One year apart, people, when they were younger, people would say, oh, they're twins because they're only 14, 14 months apart. But um, Lou is light. Like, and she, my yeah. wife is, is light skinned. So Lou is light and Leia is dark. I would always say to people, you don't realize that when they walk into a store together, if they walk in one minute apart, they will get two different experiences. Yeah. Um, and it's it's uh it's something that that ironically Lou has figured out. And so Lou is very much and she's the older one, but she's very much into Black Lives Matter. Yeah. And and it's and she had a conversation with my wife and she said, I don't look like daddy, and I don't look like Leia. Yeah. Which is an interesting thing because she's black like she's portuguese and black but she's black and so it, i don't I, I wouldn't call it overcompensating but she is highly aware of the fact that she isn't the same and so she wants to embrace that side of of her life um 
and so like she draws a lot she's a really good artist and she drew like a fist going like this and mm. she was so excited to show me and then she went to school and they were doing something i can't remember what and she asked she goes daddy can i ask the principal if they're going to do something on black lives matter and i was like well sure like let me know how it goes <laughs> but she's more into that side of it right. um whereas leia just could care less right she mm-hmm. she's not old enough. i forget because they i'm tall my wife's tall so they're tall mm-hmm. i forget all the time if they're nine and ten yeah, I was going to ask you that. about that. I was going to ask you about that, about being, you know, you've always been tall and then marrying a woman who's older than you. Did that kind of like make you feel like you were older than you were at certain times in your life to be like taller physically and then marrying somebody older than you? Oh, everyone always thinks I'm older than I am. Um, yeah. People think I'm older than her uh, because she doesn't age. But no, the. <laughs> <laughs> um, I might have a crush the, on your wife. I don't know. We probably have to figure I mean, this out. Many people do. People <laughs> become friends with me so they can get close to their hair. It's very, she her can name come on the podcast. Lopez, <laughs> right? And so it, it's a it's really interesting um having to worry about them mm, yeah. for that. Because they just they're bigger and they're taller mm-hmm. and they're developing more. And um I worry. You know, granted, we live in the middle of nowhere, so they have to. We have to drive them where they want to go. They can't just walk anywhere. We don't have right. sidewalks, right? And so, um, I, I have that that little thing that I get to hold on to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they don't need a phone yet because they're not going anywhere. Right? Mm-hmm. But the when they are out there, it's going to be scary, right? Mm-hmm. Especially my youngest. She's built like a sport. Like she she's got mm-hmm. a butt and she's got muscles mm-hmm. and like and so the when she gets out there. I'm going to be up all night thinking about who's looking at her because I'm a guy and I know what I was mm-hmm. doing when I was that yeah. age, right? And so those those things weigh on you. And I like we have to have those conversations yeah. that I don't know that I'm prepared to have, right? Yeah. Um, especially as a father and 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 a guy. Like she got Lou got sick and we thought that she may be getting her period. I was like, and my wife goes, well, I'm going to get Leia. You have this conversation. I was like, I am not prepared. I don't even know what to say, how to say uh-huh. it. I'm going to do yeah. it wrong. Um, those things come up and and yeah. we don't, we're not taught to talk about that, no. right? It, it, no matter the culture, no matter the, the decade, we're taught to um, deal with it behind closed doors. And, mm-hmm. and, and so it's a scary thing to try and figure it out when I didn't like, no one told me the birds and the bees. No one had like the other day we saw a commercial and it was about suicide. It was about gun safety, but it was also about suicide. And and Lou looks at me and she goes, what's suicide? And I was like, I am not ready to have, and I'm trying to like find a kid friendly way yeah. of answering an extremely, uh, uh, Nuanced. Sub, right. Yeah. And I think I did it correctly. And she kind of just shrugged it off. And the funniest thing happened, she uh, she um, correlated it to a joke in a show that and she, and the joke clicked for her right. because she didn't know what was happening when it was a Brooklyn Nine, Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Mm-hmm. It was a joke about suicide in jail. And she laughed at the joke three days ago, but it, she didn't actually know what she was laughing at, I realized. Because yeah, right. then she went, oh, that's what that meant. Right, and, I, and then I was like, "Well, do we have to dive deeper into this?" But she kind of moved on from it. I was like, "Oh, thank God!" But really, like, it's something that we have to dive into, yeah. and that's not the only subject. When you talk about like drug use and drinking and all those things, yeah, that no one talked to me about, and then I got immersed into that world as a what fifteen, sixteen year old, yeah. And so, like, it's not one in which 
I I'm prepared to to yeah. have or even know how to have those conversations in a way where I'm not exposing overly exposing them. But then also, I don't want to shy away from it. So like being a parent, again, it's extremely hard. It's hard. And we don't trade notes enough. I don't think enough of us. <laughs> I was just going to ask. I was going to ask that, Rob. Do you have other we talk we talk to a lot of fathers here on the podcast. Do you have other men in your life that you can talk to about parenting? Not really. Like I, I talk to my dad now, but my dad was a drug addict, right? And 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 clean for forty years, or uh, maybe thirty years, but was like heavy into it. Not yeah. when you talk about leaving, in my mind, because again, we didn't. Me and my mom never talked about it. I was like, oh, he's a drug addict. He left, but right. he he left to go and get help and realize oh. that he couldn't live where we lived and stay mm. clean, right? And that's yeah. not something we talked about until I was like twenty three, twenty four. So I went through life with this entire resentment, and yeah, and now that's a really different find, narrative, right? And just, and it, it's hard to just switch automatically and go. Oh, you know what? Right. That makes sense. Now I'm going to be in a great relationship. Right. It's like yeah, but I still I'm a kid, so I and I'm very self absorbed because that's what life is, right? Um, we think about how things affect us first, and so it's a it's a hard thing to to reconcile his reasons with abandonment right it's like a it's a it's a weird space to be in um and then for me to not want to well for a to not be around it but still quote unquote inherit that gene Mm -hmm. dive heavily into it and then to look at my kid and say well i'm around them 24 7 what are they inheriting from me versus mm. what are they learning from other people and then you add COVID into that and they were around us for two years straight 24 7 Like it's a, it's a, it's everything is complicated. I say all the time, uh, the details change, but the themes are the same, right? Yeah. There's only but so many themes that, yeah. that in life that we can go to. Now, how we get to those end results, what the plot and the climax look like may change. Right. Um, but realistically, there's only but so many problems yeah. now. And we, sure. we tend to assume and social media has only made it worse. And I think, and I don't know that social media made it worse i think the fact that we didn't have social media meant that we all got to keep our shit to ourselves yes, right and yeah. no and then and and not have to share even a bright spot of it we just got to live in our own little world mm-hmm. um but i think we we keep things to ourselves that if we were to share we'd realize that someone goes oh me too right yeah. and yeah. and again the like when i look at me and my wife are, are like all families have issues right yeah. and and just because it was just me and my mom versus her and her two parents again the things that we may have been fighting over were different between our parents yeah but the fights we all have fights with our parents yeah. right yeah you think about a, a relationship between a mother and a son and a mother and a daughter very different but the same for every pair yeah. of mother and sons and mother and daughter mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um and we don't we're and i that's generational right because you don't talk mm-hmm. about that we don't no. we don't talk about that. that's what our parents said because their parents said because their parents said yeah. um and i and I'm, I'm always curious if there was a time in the last thousand years where there were parents and and children who shared things with each other and now. how that changed over two thousand <laughs> yeah. or three thousand years yeah. um because and these are the random thoughts i have in my mind but <laughs> the the idea of of even this like this podcast and people yeah. sharing things i think yeah. it's it's really important and and being vulnerable and and people realizing it's okay to feel like a failure because we all do at some point yeah what we do with that is different but 
um, everyone has their rough patches, whether it be a day or, or seven years, we all go through some type of self-doubt, especially when you're dealing with separations and divorces and, and raising kids. And we, like, if we shared the books with each other in our cliff notes, we'd realize that we can solve these problems so much quicker, but we're, mm-hmm. we're from various generations of keep it to yourself. No one wants to know your struggles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's why we do the podcast. Literally. It also gets back to like what you were saying about your experience of being at friends, which was, I think it's so different now because there's this social media and we were kind of at friends right when social media was starting a little bit, yeah. there was like, you know, blogs and stuff like that. Um, but I'm sure it would have felt these things were happening, like you said, that went right over your head because there was like no central place to read about it when we left school that night, you know, that day. It was just, it was kind of these things happened in school and then we went home and maybe we texted a little bit. It was instant messenger. Yeah, instant messenger and texting. But now it's like there's a a receptacle. You can post it on Instagram. You can post it on your stories. And It's funny because I was talking to my mom. I posted something on my Instagram about like the anxiety that I get. And my mom called me uh mm. like two days later randomly in like the morning and, and i don't always answer my mom calls <laughs> i don't always call it but she called me and she said i read what you wrote and and i was expecting her to go oh i understand but she wrote i get a lot of anxiety oh. and i never my mom ran a jail like i didn't and you would wow. now looking back on it it makes sense like a woman <laughs> running a, a juvenile detention um wow. but it was it was powerful for me to have that conversation with my mom who we didn't necessarily share those kinds of things growing up we didn't we weren't like lovey-dovey even to this point like she's more lovey with the with my kids than she is with me um and even my wife like they connect further than i am and it's probably more me than her but the the idea of of especially in the black community we don't share that stuff yeah. right you, you be strong and you carry on yeah. um and so to have that combo with her now and we've been having a lot more combos like that like I, I took her record collection um which is just massive and her opening up about certain records and and her boyfriends and how she would trade these are things <laughs> i never knew right and mm-hmm. so to learn them from my 72 year old mom when i'm 35 and to be listening to music she listened to when she was 35 right. it's a it's a very it's like a mind trip because mm-hmm. we're getting closer uh, uh as we get older but we're and we're sharing more and yeah. I, I realized the more I write on LinkedIn about uh, my personal life, because I don't really write about marketing and all that stuff. I write about life and having kids and things like that mm-hmm. and talking to people or people DMing me and going, thank you for writing that. Um, mm-hmm. And and realizing that we all have these these random struggles that that aren't so random because they're they're pretty right um there there's a pattern we all we all run through those things through different years of our lives and if we share it more we'd we'd be able to solve them much quicker than if we try and do it ourselves yeah so how did your um experience kind of like going you know through all these different journeys in your life affect your decision to go into marketing and I ask this because we talk, you know, we're in marketing too. And we talk a lot about when you're in marketing, you have to be able to take on the personality and the characteristics and the codes and the tone of so many different people and companies. And that that's what makes a really good marketer, right? So how did sure. all of that come together? And, and tell us a little bit about your background in marketing and, and the journey there. Yeah, again, that's the best thing to come out of Friends Academy, right? The the idea of, of going, and, and, and I mean this in the literal sense, Work uh, talking to someone who worked at a company or who was the janitor at a company, and then 
going on the bus, going to school and talking to the student and the parent of the person who owned the company. And it's like, (laughs) right, you learn how to be, uh, you learn how to absorb people and meet them where they are. Mm, yeah which is what marketing is in a nutshell meeting someone where they are whether it's mm-hmm. on their medium that they're using or in the point of their lives where they are um the and i it's really psychology right i yeah. i wish i had known that when i before i graduated and i went into psychology i kind of learned it on the fly like every other marketer right mm-hmm. i went to school for marketing and learned about campaigns mm-hmm. as opposed to how to understand people um, but I think the, and that's the book smart side of it, the, the personal side of it is just learning how to understand and talk to people yeah. and listen. And that's, I've always been that, that's always fascinated me, understanding where people are coming from, um, how they got to where they are, what they're doing with their days. Um, and then as a, as a kid, how can I use that to my advantage? Right. And right. then as a, as an older person, how can I help them? And that's, that's what I do now. And, and where I live is, how can I help someone? Um, and yeah, it'll come back to me eventually, hopefully. But realistically, I get to help this person and use what I've learned to help yeah. them learn something yeah. else. Yeah. Um, and so when I think about marketing, I'm taken to brand marketing just because you're building something from scratch and you're, yeah. you're solving a puzzle, right? How do I how do I become uh, how do I make people become aware of me? How do I create exposure? How do I create engagement? I love those puzzles. Um, and and as I get older, I'm more uh, uh, involved and in, in, in more enamored with the business side of it. How do I turn all of that into a right. profit of some sort or a revenue driver? Um, and so I'm always looking to, to reverse engineer the puzzle and try I see what it's supposed to look like. How can I make it look like that? And likewise, I just like learning random things. Like the, <laughs> yeah. the idea of using, like going into banking after what, 10 years uh, between agency and, and publisher side, and then moving someplace, moving to Canada and not being able to do that. I was like, all right, I'll go into banking. I'll try it. And becoming a branch manager and having no idea how banking actually works, right? Like, <laughs> aside from having a credit card, like <laughs> I didn't know how the actual intricacies of it work. Um, but the, the idea of coaching a team, the idea of marketing and how to use marketing to drive sales, because that's what banking actually is. It's a sales yeah. job. Um I, I understood that part. And so managing a team of like 13 people, some of which were like 30 year veterans, there was nothing I was going to teach them about banking. Right. But mm-hmm. what I realized is that they don't fully know how to have a conversation. They understand how to get someone to sign a mortgage. Mm-hmm. They don't understand how that is actually um, affecting that person's life. Right. And that's where I come from of people who never owned anything and now they can, now I get to like, let me show you how to tell that story so mm. that they understand how it actually affects them. Yes, they get the mortgage. That's one effect, but that's not even what we're talking about. We're talking about what that means for the family, what that means for their family's family, right? This is a, this is a much bigger deal than you getting a sale. Um, and so that's why I try and, and, and teach people about the feeling around it, not just the end result, um, because that is something that we can all identify with, whether it's our right. our first time buying a car or our first time being able to afford um, to rent a home. Like mm-hmm. those are major milestones for some people that some of us have the privilege of not even having to think about. It's just a thing that we're doing. And for others, it's it completely mm-hmm. changes 
the trajectory of their lives. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I get a, a, that's the one altruistic part of me. I get, I get to experience <laughs> that with them. Yeah. But at the end of the day, like I'm just as ambitious as everyone else. Right. So how, what's in it for me, it, it definitely <laughs> comes to mind from time to time, but marketing is, is one of those things that I actually fell into. I got an internship for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, oh, this is really cool. Now, granted, the internship was at MTV. So anything is cool there. And I, <laughs> I don't necessarily, and I was having my, this conversation with my wife. I don't know that if I hadn't gotten that internship, if I would have ended up in marketing, mm-hmm. I would have maybe done something else because yeah. I got the internship before I chose my major. And mm-hmm. so I chose my major based on that. Right. Um, and so it's a, it's a weird thing to think about where life could have gone considering what interests me now versus what interests me then. Right. Um, but marketing is what I know and I, I love talking about it. So, Well, it, it seems to fulfill a certain like, like you, I, I told you this when we talked the other day, but like you remind me a lot of Olivia in a lot of ways, the way your minds work. And I think that you're saying that the one altruistic part of you is, you know, helping people sort of identify that narrative and be able to follow it. But you love helping people. Like yeah. you, you and I talked about this when we talked, just when we caught up, you like are a natural coach and you naturally want to help people along their way. And Olivia is very much the same way where like, you want to connect people. You, when we when we were on the phone, you're like, what can I do? How can I help you? Like for no, I mean, again, like somebody I met, you know, we've known each other for 21 years, but we, that was the first conversation we'd ever had. Oh yeah, really. <laughs> <laughs> and so, and so like, you know, and immediately I was like a little nervous going into it. I was like, I've never had a conversation with this guy, but immediately I was like, oh my gosh, I uh, like, you're a, such an adorable person. Like you're, mm-hmm. you're worthy of adoration. And so I, but and and in that you connect with people and you like right. to connect people like i think marketing at its essence at its truest most beautiful place is about connecting people to what they need and yeah. connecting people to what they don't know that they need and and bringing them on that path and i think that if you hadn't found marketing, like Olivia didn't go to school for marketing. She found her way there. You know, she found her way there through teaching. You would have found your way to maybe you wouldn't have called it marketing, but maybe you would have called it business coaching at first or networking or community management. You would have found your way. You were like, you were going to this place because it, it scratches the itch and it seems to like also satisfy the things that you learned and the way that you learned to be along the way. Yeah, no, you're not, you're not wrong. I think, um, like one of the things I get a kick out of, and you, you kind of said it, connect people what they didn't know they needed, um, is when someone comes to me with a problem and when after you root cause it, you realize it's not, or they realize it's not what they actually thought. Yeah. Um, those moments of when things click it is so satisfying, especially because I, I um, for all I like to help people, I don't like to do people's work. Right. And so like I ask a lot of questions and and watch people hit the realization on their own. But when you watch someone come in about problem A and then realize that really it's problem Z mm. um, and A is just a piece of it right. and you and you see you see the aha moment happen in real time is the most satisfying thing, right? And and yeah. now granted I may not profit off of it, I may not get anything out of it, but I I feel completely accomplished once that happens. Yeah. Um, and, and then connecting people. I think that the world is, I have benefited so much from people connecting me to other people. Um, yeah. And I realize that I can't always get something out of it. So like we may have a conversation and 
someone might say, you need to meet uh, Jenny. You're going to love her. You two can help each other. And we may not actually be able to help each other. But five years down the line, someone's yeah. going to come to me and say, hey, I need this thing. Like, you know what? Five years ago, I had a conversation with mm-hmm. someone. And I love, and my yeah. wife is much better at it than me because her mind is a steel trap. And she remembers everyone's name. She remembers their char- their backstory, their character <laughs> development. Like, she remembers all of that. And so to watch her, like, think back into her mind of someone she met in high school who she's still connected to and they do this thing that could help it's the craziest thing to watch um and i i don't i don't think i give myself enough credit for the fact that not maybe not at the level that she can do it but i can still do that yeah and i and luckily going to friends academy the the world becomes so much smaller yeah Yeah. someone knows someone who knows someone always and and they are actually everyone's willing to help to a certain extent right yeah certain extent yes yeah, it's it's a fun it's a fun little experiment of uh, this is. thing called life, and I I enjoy puzzles and trying to solve them. So, so what um what are you gonna do with your writing, Rob? I don't know. My I I don't know right now. And I was thinking about this, and my wife always said that you need to write a book. And I don't know what to write a book about, but I because I only know what I know, and so I don't try and dress something up. When you go on my LinkedIn, there's no. There's no correlation back to marketing where like I would tripped and stubbed my toe and there's nine reasons why you yeah. shouldn't do brand yeah, marketing. Yeah, the thought bros. It's, yeah. It's more <laughs> of like like my like I have one I'm thinking about now around my child asking me about the uh, uh suicide mm-hmm. and just the difficulty in answering that. I whatever yeah, whatever comes to mind is what I write about, and it all comes from a place of just pure honesty. Um and and there's some fear around that, right? Because some of the things I read about, I'm like, oh, should I post this? Mm-hmm. But I do, and and either it gets no traction whatsoever, and and that's fine, or people who who I don't even know write me and say, I really appreciated that, yeah. uh, and and then we start a dialogue, and I think for me, I will probably have to back into what writing actually does but for me right now it's just therapeutic it's i have to get things out of my mind yeah um because i will fixate and stare at them and 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 stare off like i live on the water and so i'd be staring at a lake just thinking about a thought and if i don't get it out it'll consume me um and it's the same with like my relationships i absorb people's emotions Mm. and i didn't realize it until like a couple years ago and it's exhausting Yes, right? it is. Because when someone's sad, I get sad to help them get happy. Mm-hmm. If someone's happy, I'm happy. If they're excited, I'm excited. Um, and it's not even code switching. It is literally absorption of yeah. their emotion. Yeah. Um, and then I have to, when they leave, they may be better, but I'm still in their, like, mm-hmm. their web of entanglement, right? And so the, the writing helps me to be able to get it out and not yeah. have to focus on it. Um, yeah. So right now, that's still where it's going to be. I I, I don't know. Um, I think it will help my business if I write about marketing more. But I just no. I, like I will say, about <laughs> um, I my one piece of advice is is copy and paste those LinkedIn posts yeah. to a Word document because I wrote a lot on Instagram about my divorce and captions, and I ended up saving all the captions and it became like a twenty page Word document. 
And yeah. then I delete and I then I archived all the posts when I yeah. went in public and stuff. So save everything you write somewhere else because that could turn into something else for sure. Yeah, you can back into it that way. That's what I was yeah. gonna say too. Cause then you can yeah. start seeing themes come through and also yeah. start seeing like how much you've written. Cause you write you write like you're what you know, write long LinkedIn posts. Like I they're nice. To follow. They're, I gotta go follow deep. you. Yeah, they're, they're um, nice. And, like there's please. a lot there. So I, I feel like if you just copied and pasted those and you could hire one of the girls to do it, just you know, copy and paste <laughs> it. Um into to some into a world document yeah. i bet you'd have the foundations of something that would tell you what it is if you yeah. if you looked at it yeah i think like the <laughs> the idea of the life that i have lived not that it's like this grandioso thing but the when you talk about us all going through the same problems um again the details change but someone else could read what i'm going through as a as a six four black man with two children mixed with a wife and going through all kinds of stuff there's something that someone can pull from that um and so there's an opportunity to write my story just so that someone else can feel like oh yeah. it's, it's not just me um because i feel like we all have those those it's just me kind of things and mm -hmm. we just deal with yeah. them and move on with our life i think the benefit too of your story is that it is there's there are fundamental a lot of fundamental truths and there are a lot of people that can relate like i think there's a lot of kids that go on scholarship to high class yeah. you know private schools with only white people and they're the fish and out of water kind of situation so you have all of that at the same time you do have these sort of distinctive details like interning at mtv like like getting meeting your wife young getting married like young like you were definitely yeah. on the younger end of our class to get oh, married sure. and have kids and i was gonna say too you must have not meet a lot of other 35 year old dads with 10 year olds especially in your <laughs> in your in your social strata right because when i taught nursery school i taught nursery school for two years all of the dads were like well into their late forties. Right. Yeah. So it's a, it, when you're at that level where you guys are now, you know, your, your social group, they're probably a lot of the dads are older than you. So there uh -huh. are these distinctive details that where people will be like, I relate to this story. And also it's interesting because he did this and his wife is fascinating and the kids are, you know, like all of this stuff. Yeah. So there's definitely, there's a lot there. Oh, for sure. No, you're, you're not wrong. And, and I appreciate <laughs> the feedback. Right. And I, I think, um being able to like the wheels are turning now but and we just want to read we just want to read your writing rob that's all you want to do oh you know what it's all out there and i um, <laughs> and it's not again there are times when i move away from writing because i just don't have anything on my mind um and i don't i can't just force things it just doesn't no. come out because yeah. i have a particular way like it's funny and I try and make it make myself the butt of the joke and and yeah. but still have some kind of lesson in there like very Bill Cosby stuff um but the uh the idea of of sharing that like I I do appreciate that feedback because I can I can run with that <laughs> so um we ask all of our guests this for anybody that's going through a fresh start or a pivot in life what would be some wise words that you could offer them oh tell someone mm. I um uh, and tell them quickly I think so a friend of mine got laid off and she called me to to kind of help her figure out how to build out her her consulting business. Mm. Um, and I was like, oh, did you tell your parents yet? She went, no, <laughs> I'm, I'm finding the right time. I go, you got to tell them now, like get it out of the way so that they can get all of the the bad help out of the way. Right. Because as soon as you do like you get fired or you lose your job, whatever, however you want to categorize it. You tell people and they're like, oh, I know someone you need to talk to. And it's like, but that's not even what I do. Right. So you got to get it out, get that stuff out of the way so that you can create a clear path. So I tell people, tell them as soon as possible, like 
Yeah. It's not, again, you're not the first person ever to be laid off. You're not the first person ever to break a leg. Like you, there mm-hmm. are, just get it out of the way, move on, rip the bandaid off. Now, again, we are by nature self-absorbed because we have, our brains are wired to think about how it's going to keep you alive, mm-hmm. right? And so fear is crippling. Um, but once once it's done, then it's done and you can move on. And so I say like, if you not just fail quick, but if something happens, say it as quickly as possible to someone out loud. So that you can start planning on how to fix it. Yeah, I love that. Love that. Jenny, you want to do the last question here? Okay. And I was like, we have to remember to ask this question because we don't always ask it. What was the last best thing that you ate? The last best thing that I ate? Jesus. I make all my own stuff. So like Yeah, yeah tell Rob us. makes really beautiful barbecue and smoked meats and That's the last best. That's such a difficult question. <laughs> I feel he like also, we've... he made some really good looking pancakes that I was like, I, I that was, oh, the I owe you pancakes for you sure. <laughs> you know what I made? Uh, uh, oh no, my wife made macadamia nut cookies mm. and like, it was like, I was underrated, mix, right? She underrated. just mixed it, right? But yeah. she added things to it and it was freaking delicious. Oh, so uh, good. But like, I don't know. I make so much stuff. He does. We'll have I mean, to post maybe in the, in the blog post. Like he really, sure. it's like gorgeous. It, the, the Instagram for the food is yeah, we'll, my We'll link it. I don't know. Like this hard, like I like food. So there's, it, it's really hard <laughs> to like choose something. Um, but what are you going like, to have for lunch today? Let's ask that question. I made a tomato soup. It wasn't actually my best showing. The grilled cheese was mm. much better. Mm. <laughs> but, Classic. Yeah. Yeah, the tomato soup is where it's at. Uh, my yeah. actually, my wife makes this thing called uh, mukeka, which is like a a Portuguese seafood stew, which is yeah. my favorite thing that she doesn't make anymore. Um, <laughs> the, it's got everything you could possibly want in it, and it, that's a bigger story, right? It's it's peasant food that mm. is now extremely Elevated. popular. Yeah, there, but uh, that I like peasant food, like curry chicken and cur- like all mm. the scraps that mm-hmm. twenty years or even a hundred years ago the 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 rich people didn't want to touch and now it's a 55 dollar i feel like this is like a book happening there's (laughs) like a thing about the food and the being on scholarship and the writing and it's all coming together there's a lot here Mm -hmm. (laughs) nice little woven tapestry mm-hmm. of stories you guys, here. you guys are my muses um, <laughs> well uh rob we really really appreciate your time and we know you're busy and you know sharing your vulnerabilities and your story and we just we could not agree with you more you know when people share their stories it really really helps other people to like find themselves and share their stories so we are so grateful for this conversation today and for you being here oh likewise i enjoyed it you guys are awesome we gotta do a part two i'm all for it anytime (laughs) you're you're welcome to drop in thank you for listening to today's story we're always here and we're proud of you until next time brave one a fresh story is brought to you by fresh starts registry the first and only platform for everything you need to start again you can read the show notes and learn more about today's episode at freshstartsregistry.com slash podcast. Mm-hmm.